welcome to The Well Podcast. We hope that this message will help you grow in your faith and give you practical ways to strengthen your relationships. To find out more, visit thewell.ca. Hey friends, so over the last several weeks, we have been in a series called Breakthrough. What it means to get unstuck, to be unhindered in our pursuit of freedom in all aspects of our lives, to be unstuck in our relationship with God, to be unstuck in our relationship with each other, to get breakthrough in some of the thought patterns or behaviors of ways of relating that maybe we feel like have held us back for many years. Maybe it's in a particular relationship or a particular area of life or just a season of life. Now, I don't know about you, but it's been a lot of heavy lifting over these last um, several weeks. Now, some of you may have felt like, oh, this has been so good. Um, you know, and I've heard from some of you like, yeah, this has been so good. It's been helpful. It's been encouraging. I feel hopeful. I've gotten some breakthrough or this is reminding me of the breakthrough that I have had. Um, others of you have said, yeah, this is just scratching the surface. Man, I've never really thought about this or haven't thought about this in a long time or haven't thought about this in this way. We've covered a lot of ground. And so you just kind of scratch the surface. And then, of course, some of us have said, man, this has been hard. I don't want to think about this anymore. Or it's just been hard because you realize, wow, I didn't realize how stuck I was. Or that getting breakthrough is, is, is not an easy thing. And so wherever you happen to be, um, and even if you're just joining us, I encourage you to go back and listen to that series. Um, for all kinds of reasons, after going through a series like this, we didn't just want to like kind of close the book and say, well, that was good. Let's move on to the next thing. In fact, somebody in my home group says, hey, VJ, whatever series we move on to next, just so you know, I'll still be here. <laughs> uh, just saying like this has begun to bring up things that I can't move on from quickly. And, and, and they're right. We, we shouldn't. And so what we actually wanted to do before we move on is do something that we actually have done a few times in the church which is um, in, our, in our kind of rhythm every year, is to do this thing called sila, which is um, like a holy pause. It's a Hebrew word, but it, it means to rest or to pause or to breathe. <laughs> you know, like take a breath, a deep breath. Like this just needs a pause. And we do that for all kinds of reasons. Um, but certainly in a, in a series like this, we want to pause because we just need the time to um, know that there's been a lot of heavy lifting. And so it's good to like, to let it down, to actually pause, to stop, to rest from that because it's been hard work. We, we take a sila because we're trying to become attentive to the fact that God is the one who, is, who brings breakthrough. Um, it, and, and we need to be attentive to his presence and his voice. This isn't something we just take and can make happen in our lives or with our bare hands. And so we pause, we sila, we rest and say, okay, where have I been these last few weeks? Um, I need time to reflect. And of course, we encourage you to do that in your own life, but we want to do that as a church together. But maybe the most important um, reason that we need to sila in this particular time is because of this. Breakthrough is a lifelong battle. Breakthrough is a lifelong battle. And I want to name that for a couple of reasons. One is to say, this is battle. <laughs> We've talked about how it's not a, a battle with other people. <laughs> That's often the, the relational issues we have. It's that we're wrestling with God in the deep things of our lives and the ways that he wants to transform us. It's a battle for other people, for the relationships in our lives. We're not meant to fight with each other, but to fight for each other, that the breakthroughs we went to get in our lives are for the benefit of others as well. 
but also to recognize that part of our battle is not against flesh and blood in the seen world, but we're fighting with the lies of the enemy that are trying to come in and control our lives and, and, and really you know, lead us down false um, and unhelpful paths. So that's a battle. We're fighting with our flesh sometimes where we have our good and beautiful and healthy desires and our not good, unhealthy, broken desires that are in conflict with each other. All of which is to say breakthrough is a lifelong battle. It is battle. And that's why we're tired even thinking about some of this stuff or maybe tired of thinking about it. But it also recognizes that this is going to take time. Jen shared with you a little bit of her story a couple weeks ago. And as someone who's married to her, seeing like these breakthroughs that we get, and she see this in my life, they don't happen quickly. This is decades of work. And I say that to encourage you to say, there's no silver bullet in this and don't expect unbelievable freedom in every area of our life all the time. When we get a breakthrough in a small way or big way, man, it's a miracle. But it takes a lifelong attentiveness to the battle in order to see that. And hopefully we see the little wins along the way. Some of you have seen those in this series. Some of you are realizing, I think it's there. Some of you are like, I haven't seen any. It is a lifelong battle. And therefore, it's good to rest from the battle. It's good to rest and pause and remember, as a song that we've been singing throughout this series that we're going to sing in a moment, the battle belongs to the Lord. He is fighting for us. We can rest that the one who is stronger and greater and more beautiful and powerful, the one who can do things we could never do for ourselves, he is the one who is fighting for us. And so I just want to invite you, even in this moment, uh, if this has been and felt like kind of heavy lifting for you, to just rest and say, okay, yes, God, this battle belongs to you. It's, it may take a lifetime, but you're going to see it through. You have guaranteed victory in this, but I'm going to trust you with it. And so let's use these words. You know, the words actually contrast sometimes what we see with what God actually sees. And so let's, let this be an encouragement to your soul to, to, to stop and pause and know that the battle is in God's hands. Jesus, there's nothing impossible. 
I grew up in an immigrant family as a latchkey kid, meaning that most days we as kids would go to school on our own and return home to an empty house. My father worked as an accountant and my mother in a factory. They both worked long, hard, regular hours. Both of my parents grew up in difficult families. My mother's father passed away when she was young and she quit school to start working to help provide for the family when she was a teenager. My father also never finished high school and did not have a regular family life. So when it came to our home, I don't think my parents had very good examples of what a healthy family looked like. I don't remember a lot of family time or interaction other than watching TV together and occasionally watching a movie. A lot of my first experiences were from family friends who would invite us out. Things like first fishing trip, first ball games, first camping trip. Our family valued school very highly, as it was the key to a good job in a future. Sports or other activities were not important and were not part of my upbringing. It was difficult because I was a rambunctious and smart child. Often I would be bored and I don't think my parents knew how to engage with me. Unfortunately, my ideas always looked like trouble to them. In our house, trouble was addressed quickly, loudly and corporally. There were always bamboo sticks strategically placed around the house to enforce quick judgment and punishment. For many years as an adult, I made excuses for the way things were in my home. They didn't know better. They did the best they could. Or I would joke about it, like how my parents were worse than someone else's or how all kids of immigrant families are treated. But all of this was having negative effects on my relationships in the present. I was often irritable with my parents and I was quite snippy with them. I didn't want much advice from them, especially in the area of raising kids. 
Ironically, as many of us do, we say things like, I'm never going to be like my parents, or I would never do that to my kids. However, in actual fact, I often found myself defaulting to how I was raised. I would have difficult interactions with my children, as many parents do, but how it turned out was upsetting and didn't feel right. My partner and I would often discuss how to improve and how to do better. To be clear, we were not physically disciplining our children like my parents did. However, we were often loud and angry with them. A few years back, my father sent me an email saying that he did a bad job as a parent when I was young and that I shouldn't yell at my kids and said he was sorry. When I saw his email, I shelved it and didn't respond to him. How dare he tell me how to treat and raise my kids? He had his chance, and now he wants to say sorry? But as time went on, through some prayer ministry, personal reflection, and many discussions with my spouse, I realized that I needed to admit that though the example I was given was not a good one, I was following it anyway. And then I remembered the email and the fact I had ignored it for years, simply not wanting to deal with it. Instead of just saying, they did their best, just like we are, there isn't anything to forgive, I knew I needed to deal with my past. Firstly, I had to simply acknowledge that there was a lot of hurt and damage done. Looking back, I was protecting myself and them by dismissing my treatment as ignorance. Even to this day, I have trouble using the accurate word abuse to describe it. Secondly, I needed to release them from anything they owed me to make things right or any sense of retribution or payback. To be honest, I'm still walking that journey. Forgiveness is not done immediately, but it starts with a choice to forgive and to walk towards that direction every day. It's like starting a marathon. You start the race by making the decision to be there and at the starting line, and you work your way towards the finish line. It's not quick or easy work, but it sure beats living in bitterness. In my experience, when bitterness takes hold of you, depression and other nasty emotions soon follow. One night I took the opportunity to tell my dad that God had shown me forgiveness and in that same way had commanded me also to forgive. I told him I accepted his apology and forgave him as he had asked in his email a few years prior. Slowly but surely, changes are happening. I'm noticing that I am much more patient with my dad and not as snippy with him. I feel also that there is more freedom to love him and I don't see caring for him as a burden anymore. He's even taken to hugging me and my kids more now. This has also drastically changed how I see and parent my own kids. I would often argue with my spouse that this was the way I was brought up and look how I turned out. But that now had a new meaning. I didn't turn out as well as I thought. I just excused it, made it a joke and stuffed it down, avoiding it, not ever dealing or understanding the ramifications of what was done or how it really impacted me damaging my sense of worth and value, which I still battle with today. I wish I could say we are now perfect parents and now have all the answers and do it perfectly, but that wouldn't be totally accurate. What has changed is that I recognize that we can learn from my parents' mistakes and our own. We now are more able to read into situations and understand where anger or hurt may be coming from. We are also prioritizing being a safe place for our children to be welcoming to hear their cares, worries, joys, and even their mistakes, something I now realize I never had as a child. 
And when we default back to a place of anger, I tell my kids I'm sorry for how I reacted. And I ask them for forgiveness as I try to grow. One of the things we wanted to stop and reflect on today is, you know, we said that uh, part of our struggle in breakthrough is that we all have kind of a mental map for how we think the world works, made up of ideas that help us navigate the decisions and desires and pathways of our lives in all aspects of life, with God and with each other and um, every decision that we make. And we said on that mental map, there are good and beautiful and most importantly, true ideas. In other words, the map corresponds to reality, to what's real. But there are also in every one of our mental maps, um, ideas that we think are true, but are actually false. Ideas that actually point us and say, oh, this is what's real, but it's actually uh, not real. It's an illusion. And so that we can be led astray by that. And we said one of the ways the enemy works in our lives, or sometimes we just adopt these things from our family history or whatever, is by sowing seeds of lies that actually distort our view of reality and take us down paths. And I've said this as an example. We've all been heading down a road of a decision or a pathway or place in life where we were sure it was right and it was good and is what we wanted, only later to go, what was I thinking, right? That's just, we've all had an example, whatever that might be, big or small, that just tells us, wait, our maps have good ideas and false ideas on them. And we need, therefore, to let Jesus teach us what's true. See, the most beautiful thing about Jesus is he didn't just teach truth. He said, I am truth. In other words, I am the one you can trust to paint the truest picture of reality for you so that you know what's real. And so here's what I wanted to do, just in these moments as we pause, because we have talked about a lot of really amazing truth over these last seven weeks. Truths that are not just go, oh, that's nice. Truths which if they made their way onto our mental maps, if they made their way into our hearts that we deeply believed they were true and lived by them, we could get breakthrough. They're the key to actually getting breakthrough is having truth inside of us that we live by that comes from Jesus. And so here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to read through a bunch of truth statements that kind of summarize where we've been. Now, listen, even if you missed some weeks or you've never been to our church before, or you missed this whole series, these will still ring true to you. These are still true <laughs> and they can still be things that you say, oh man, I need that. And so I want you to listen to them um, as I read them slowly. But here, here's the thing. I want you to listen to them like, remember, this is about pause. This is about a holy rest. Listen to them like this. We're right in that point. Um, in the wintertime here in Canada where we're anticipating spring. There's actually been a couple days even this month where we walked out and it, it was like warm or semi-warm and it smelled like spring. But I want you to think about that first day of spring when you walk out and you realize, oh, I don't need this jacket. Um, the, the sun is warm enough for me. Or, oh, that air is so fresh. It's not cold, it's fresh. I want you to think about these truths like, like sun that you're like, oh, this warms me. Or, Oh, I want to breathe that in. So just receive it like that as I read them slowly. There's 10 of them and you're going to have time. I'm just going to read them slowly and give you a chance to just remember these truths. And so here we go. God, your God is gracious, compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love towards that's true. 
You are not alone in this world, left to figure out life by yourself, but you have been adopted into the family of God, loved by God, and given a family of faith who loves you as well. You are not valuable and important because of what you do, but because of who God says you are. Here's another truth. When we confess our sin, we get more grace, less shame, and less of the enemy's influence in our lives. Forgiveness isn't a feeling. It's a decision to start a journey that we can begin today. We are all products of our past, but we don't have to be prisoners of it. Let me say that again. We are all products of our past, but we don't have to be prisoners of it. God has given you a place in his family so you can stop the patterns of repeated sins, false ideas, and unhealthy attachments from your biological family. You can stop the pattern from repeating. Here's another truth. The emotional wounds of our past, which trigger the strong reactions and unhealthy patterns of our present, are the very things Jesus came to heal. That's why he came. Here's when we learned last week. Fear is driven out of our lives when we learn to trust the love of God. It's a shift from trusting in good results to trusting that the love of God is enough for us, even in the bad results. And finally, the family of God, our church, is a gift to help each of us tangibly experience forgiveness, grace, healing, and help. Now, those are a lot of truth bombs, right? That's a lot of truth. And there can be a lot of things. If you're anything like me, this series has brought up a lot of stuff for me. I'm like, oh yeah, okay, I've seen a bit of breakthrough there. Oh man, I want more breakthrough here. It, it's, it's, there's a lot of ground we've covered. But Jesus doesn't give us all of that stuff at once to hold and say, fix all of this, right? It's not like he comes in and says, invites us to the operating table and does surgery on every part of our body all at once or whatever. That's not how Jesus works. In fact, Jen reminded us um, when she preached that um, Jesus is a gentleman. He doesn't kick down the door of our lives and says, hey, we, this, this, we got to fix this place up. He actually just knocks on the door. And we have the opportunity to invite him in to these places in our lives. So, so here's what we're going to do. Because I just listed 10 truths, all of them, each one of them, so powerful, even by themselves. I just want to give you some time to ask Jesus, which is the most important one for you right now? 
to let Jesus say that. We might say, oh, I got to fix this. I got to fix that. Other people might, we want you to fix this, fix that. But we just want to invite Jesus and say, Jesus, what is most important for me to know? Which of these truths do you want me to really cling to? Which of these truths do you want me to fight for in my life? Which of these truths do I most need to have sit and land on my mental map to be um, deeply planted in my heart? And we're going to give you space to just ask him that question and listen. And he, you may hear kind of in your head, because we're going to, you're going to see these truths on the screen again, just we're going to systematically go through them. You're just going to listen to or watch them, read them. You may hear in your head when you read one of them, Jesus saying this one. It may be just a deep impression. You're like, whoa, that one hits me. I need that one. Or you may have just a feeling of total peace when one of them's read that Jesus saying, yeah, this is the good one. I have got this one for you. Of course, we want them all to be true and we want to have that internalized in our lives, but we need him to just direct us gently and to say, Jesus, which of these is most important for me to know now? Which of these do I need to fight for? And so just watch as they scroll through the screen. You're going to have time for each one and just be listening, asking Jesus, Jesus, which of these is most important for me today?
Well, if you've heard Jesus kind of put his finger on something that's amazing, you're inviting him into that. If you haven't yet, you can just kind of continue doing this later on in the day or even just the rest of the service. Just wait to hear. But if that's happened, if you're kind of aware of that or um, either way, I'd invite you to just take a step of response to that, to invite Jesus in. Kind of looks like practically sometimes inviting another person in, talking to a friend or someone in your home group or a pastor to say, hey, can you help me? Can you pray for me in this? I need to lean into this. I need to fight for this more in my life. It may involve taking a step like um, signing up for a renewal prayer appointment. We've talked to you about that. Um, You can email prayer at thewell.ca and someone will get in touch with you to receive some prayer for some of this, maybe getting rid of some lies or dealing with some stuff in the past or being able to get breakthrough in a relationship. And so you can take a step like that. If you are happen to be watching at one of our live sites, um, today we have some prayer ministers available for you. And so the band's gonna lead us in a couple of songs just to give us some time to respond and to rest and to sing. But during that time, uh, there are prayer ministers available. You can get up and go and receive prayer. And you may wanna say to them, hey, this is the one I need to fight for. Can you pray for me? Can you pray that my heart will begin to believe this truth? And so if you are watching live, you have an opportunity to do that now. But if you're watching online, I invite you to think about, okay, who can I invite into this with me to help me in this journey of fighting for truth in my life?
Sing this as a prayer. Oh God. In my life, be lifted high. Our world, be lifted high. Our love, be lifted high. Yes, Lord. In my life, be lifted high.
As we come to the end of our Sila time together, 
wanted to finish with um, a passage that actually has appeared a couple times in the daily readings, if you've had a chance to do it through this time, and one that has just so touched my heart um, a, a lot in this season, in this series. It's from Psalm 103, and <clears throat> it's a description of God's character, his way of dealing with people, who he's really like, what his heart is like. And it's so amazing. And if you, if you kind of have questions or maybe lies about who God is, that's one of the most amazing passages to read. But as I was um, going through it during this series, I thought, okay, if this describes who God is, it actually is also describing who the people of God are meant to become are meant to be like, not in kind of a striving way, but like if God's plan and purpose is to transform us, to get breakthrough that we become more like him. And that is the amazing truth and the gift of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. God is making us more like Jesus. Um, Then when we meditate on these statements about who God is, there are actually ways in which we can say, oh, we want to be like that. And so what I want to do is I'm going to read this passage slowly. We're going to go through it a couple times. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I want you to think about it and reflect on it um, as what kind of community is God calling us to be like? And maybe there's a word in there in particular that's like, yeah, that's who we need to grow or become more like. And maybe because it's an inspiring word or maybe you're like, I don't think we're that kind of a community. We need to be that kind of a community. We need collectively to get breakthrough to become more like that. Maybe it's a phrase. Maybe it's just a feeling or experience or an image that comes to you as you listen to this passage. But we're listening here now, not only is a description of who God is, but what does it mean for us to be people of God like this? And so we're gonna, I'm going to read it twice slowly, but the first time I just want you to listen, just catch the feel of the passage. Don't worry too much about listening for a specific word. And then the second time we read it through again, we'll, we'll ask for more specific, uh, we'll be able to listen from God. And so here's what it says. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses his deeds to the people of Israel. And then there's a colon. These are the things. These are the deeds he made known. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor or hang on to his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. That's a beautiful section of scripture describing not only who God is, but who we can become. And so now as I read through it slowly again, I want you to listen to this specific question. We're really asking God, God, what kind of community are you calling us to become? Maybe a word, a phrase, or an image that comes from this text, but just listen slowly for the answer to that question. God, what kind of community are you calling us to become? The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, 
slow to anger, and abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, that's how far he has removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. In our live sites today, we're actually going to, you know, the answer to that question, we're going to be writing on sticky notes and putting up all over the walls there just as a response to say, God, this is who we feel you're calling us to be. This is the people we want to be. But for those of us online today, what I actually decided to do, I asked some people to some of our people who kind of pray on a regular basis and listen to God uh, on behalf of our church. I said, can you take this passage and listen for this question? God, what kind of community are you calling us to become? So I want to actually share those with you, and they may resonate with some of the words that you've heard. And chances are, if you heard something and it comes out from one of these, you're like, okay, I don't even know who wrote that. God must be speaking to us. So I encourage you to be listening as you hear what others have listened on behalf of our church in this passage. Um, and so here's what they, here's what they, the sticky notes we're putting up today for the online um, congregation we're watching today. God is calling us to become people who go to great lengths to know God and love others. He's calling us to become people who go to great lengths to know God and love others. He's calling us to become people who see God much more for who he really is because this is the key to breakthrough when we actually understand who God is. He's calling us to become a more gracious and compassionate community where we are patiently committed to tending to the deep pains and hurts of each other. Patiently committed to helping each other in our hearts, listening, healing, forgiving. He's calling us to become people who visibly demonstrate God's loving and miraculous ways. He's calling us to be people who make the time to intentionally pursue and listen to God. People who make time for that in our lives. And he's calling us to be people who truly forgive, who actually remove our sins from each other so that when we look at each other, we don't see each other's sins. These are just a few of the things that God put on our hearts for a number of people, the kind of community he's calling us to become. You may have stuff to add to that. And if you do, if God kind of either affirms something, you said, yeah, I heard that too, 
that was really strong for me or maybe something else, I'd encourage you to email your site pastor or um, email me to add to the fire because this is the way God is directing us as a community to say, hey, lean into this, become more like me in this way. We're going to close our seal of time with this beautiful song of declaration about our freedom, the freedom that we have in Christ. And I just want to invite you as you sing that, as we kind of close this time of rest together, to just say to God, God, whatever work you've started in me, whatever ways I'm beginning to get free or realizing that I'm not free and I'm meant to have freedom in it, God, help me. God, lead me through this. God, bring people in our community alongside or help me to help others do that. And so let's sing and respond to that together as a family.